Listening to the Park Rush podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I've had quite a productive week of catching up on movies, finishing off a TV series, and starting a new one. Playing some some games, much as you were saying last week. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good. I've I've righted some wrongs in terms of. Sort of movie blind spots, lots of eighties classics. I have uh, yes, finally seen uh, um, Groundhog Day. Uh, yeah, oh, classic. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I know is a favourite of yours. Absolutely. Uh, the Breakfast Club, which I wasn't so hot on, to be honest. That's fair. Are you are you a fan of the Breakfast Club? Because I, someone has pulled me up on my letterboxed. <laughs> I, I put it in my letterboxed th- uh, diary thing. Well, yes. with a with a pretty low rating certainly Ooh. compared to the, the vast majority it seems very well liked which is why i wanted to watch um, it and i was pulled up on it and i thought well i don't know maybe it's just the the time and the time i've come to it but i found every character to be completely insufferable uh yeah i i fully uh, i get your point of view what score did you give it i gave it two stars oh brutal yeah, uh, I don't think I'd go that low. Um, not to say that I'd go particularly uh, high. I'd probably give it a three and a half. Right. Um, well, I'm I'm staunchly I, against half stars, as we know. I am. Yes, as we do know. Yeah, you'll end up with a lot of splinters in your backside if you give out too many half star ratings. That's my view. Absolutely. But, um, uh, we, I've rounded it off so far. Well, I haven't rounded it off because it will continue tonight. But we we also watched Airplane, which I loved. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is that the first time you watched it? Yeah. Well, obviously, much of it, I'm sure, at the time was uh, controversial. Uh, now it's uh, some of it's just downright racist. But <laughs> it, it's yeah. I must like. I did feel a little bit hypocritical because I had certain problems with aspects of the Breakfast Club based on how uncomfortable parts of it made me feel. And I think that was very much a time and place thing. And Airplane really should have been the same. But I think because Airplane operates with such a ridiculously over-the-top tone throughout that I guess you can... It sounds awful, especially as a white person saying this, but it feels like you can get away with more when the tone is so overtly stupid the whole way through. Like, it takes nothing seriously. So... Um, yeah, I, uh, I, it's it's like the um, Robert Downey Jr. playing a black guy in Tropic Thunder. Yes, yes. Um, it's so clearly um, a critique on uh, that whole thing that... Um, it's still funny to me anyway yes yeah I, I really liked Airplane so I think tonight after uh, tonight being Saturday after of course Jay's virtual pub quiz oh, of course uh, we're probably going to watch The Naked Gun another Leslie Nelson there's, there's uh, loads of them there isn't there v- vintage like, is there like seven of them or something 
I don't know, but I, I like that the second one's called the Naked Gun Two and a Half, and I think the third one is Naked Gun Three and a Third. <laughs> yes, <things> yeah. <laughs> which is uh, pretty pretty great. So, so yeah. Uh, also finished up the Mandalorian, which I very good. much enjoyed. That's good. And um, we've just finished Gangs of London. Oh yeah, very different. Yeah, um, from the same guy who created the Raid. Um, very good first eight episodes and the ninth episode kind of let lets it down personally so being directed by the guy who did the raid is that are there some sort of similarly impressive fight scenes oh yeah yeah because i remember very gory uh as well i remember that was something people were disappointed with with the um the force awakens because they got some actors from the raid uh in that scene where they corner Han Solo on the ship with the weird alien monsters. Yes. And people were like, oh, surely they've hired these guys because they're going to have an awesome fight. And there was no fight. Which, uh, I'm not saying they Unless... should have fought Han Solo. That might have been a bit odd. Maybe not the right guy to go up against some uh, hardy fighters from the raid. But, uh, yeah, I think when people saw them being cast, they thought, oh, are they going to... Is that is that what the lightsaber fight's going to be? Guys from the raid going at it. That would be awesome. Uh, no, be they just sick. get eaten like suckers. But They would alas. be quite useful in uh, Rogue One, actually. The uh, beach scene. Yes, yes. Uh, space Normandy. They would have been very yes. useful in Space Normandy. But... Um, yeah, well, it sounds like we've both been uh, keeping up. Well, I also started the Clone Wars because I, I was on a bit. I've been in a bit of a Star Wars mood after the Mandalorian, and people are people are going mad about the final, the final season, season. Of, the, of the Clone Wars that's ongoing right now. I think it, as of recording, it finishes in two days on Monday, May the fourth. Um, <laughs> fittingly, yeah, of course, definitely haven't uh, set that up at all. No. Because, yeah, the Clone Wars went away for ages and then Disney brought it back for the Disney Plus thing. And, yeah, people are absolutely raving about the final season because it started to intersect with with Revenge of the Sith. And it sounds like there, there's been some Order 66 goings on. And obviously, the, <gasps> like, as far as like throughout the whole Clone Wars show, obviously, you would have gotten you know close and it would have fleshed out a lot of clone trooper characters i would have thought and so the idea of after you know seven eight seasons and i think because i'm watching the first season now which is 2008 so i'd imagine if you had watched it as a kid back then and are now watching the final season and you've grown up with these clone characters and now seeing them you know i'm sure a lot of them might have died already i don't know but others will be turning on the the jedi it's probably probably emotional stuff it could lend a whole new emotional resonance to um revenge of the sith it might not you... just not, not just be for the memes anymore how are you watching it are you watching it uh, in release order or the absolutely mental uh, chronological order i am watching it in release order um i did think about chronological order but i just thought because it, it would be cool actually if, if disney if on Disney Plus you could tell it, hey, play it in chronological order, because there, there, there is a page on StarWars.com, so it's this sort of officially recognised, hey, you might want to watch it this way. And it would be nice if in Disney Plus you could just play it in, there was like a playlist or something where you could play them in chronological order, because the idea of playing an episode, then backing back out to the menu and cycling through, all right, what do I need now? Season 3, episode 17, okay, play that, then back out again, okay, now it's episode 1, chapter 4, I just, the I, I, it's a type of show because it's like 22 minutes an episode, mostly, some are a bit longer, 
I kind of just yeah. like to put it on and just sit there. Sometimes I'll have it on while I'm doing something else. Other times I'll put it on while I'm having my breakfast. It's become my sort of breakfast show the last few days. And you can kind of watch two or three episodes in less than an hour. And yeah. the idea of having to back out and make it a more convoluted process is... I guess my thought on it is that when the show first came out, I think it was on Cartoon Network or something. So, you know, cartoons like that are designed for you to be able to just, oh, it's on, I'm just going to watch it like, and not have to worry about where they are in the story. And I don't think it's until the last two seasons that they start to... The release order is the chronological order because I think the penultimate season was a Netflix thing about five years ago. Then there was the long oh, break, and now it's come back for Disney Plus, and that is in chronological order. Okay, uh, yeah, because um, I started watching it. I think I watched the first two episodes, uh, and I was watching it in timeline order, um, and I went, "Nah, this is just stupid. I can't be bothered with this with the jumping around trying to find the next episode." So I might go back and watch it in release order instead. Yeah, I've not had any issues with it so far. It's certainly not hard to follow. And I like at the start of episode each episode, there's like a, a vintage serial announcer who's like, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi are engaged in fierce combat above Geonosis and kind of gets you up to speed in that way. It's pretty great. That's really cool. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that and I will stick with it because, as I say, the reason I started it, I've sort of toyed with the idea a few times and I've often thought, why have I never watched this? Because I'm a loser who will still watch cartoons <laughs> and I love Star Wars even when it's kind of bad. And like we went more, we went like a decade without any Star Wars movies and there was this like pretty well received Star Wars cartoon going on that whole time and I never thought to watch it. But yeah, I'm watching it now and because the final season is meant to be so great. And the like when you the animation now in season one is like it's okay like I, I, the characters are quite good looking but the, a lot of the environments kind of look like early three sixty games or something uh, yeah and it doesn't look like outstanding at all but the the stills I've seen and I've had to tr stop being a bit careful but the stills I've seen of the new season and the the clips uh, the the step up is amazing it looks really really good so i'm looking forward to getting to it eventually but there's like a lot of episodes to watch first yeah. and uh, uh see was it rise of skywalker is now on disney plus right or is coming to disney plus this month that is also coming to disney plus on may the 4th oh makes sense yeah uh, i've not seen it for a second time i i don't think i want every time i start thinking I Should have. I watch it? Like maybe there are things about it that I might like. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace the first time, and I can try and give it the benefit of the doubt. But then there are just ignoring like there are certain story beats that I, I don't like. But maybe I can sort of kind of get over. But there's you know one of the key twists of the film. I just so fundamentally. Can we? I guess we can spoil it at this point if you haven't seen it. The the whole Ray Palpatine thing. I am so. My very it's soul is it. against that idea, and it will just make me so angry. <laughs> so, just... Uh, just, um, so when we sat down to watch it, um, I think I might have mentioned this, but my mum started reading out the scroll because I was trying to sort out the sofa because I moved the sofa so I get a better angle of the TV. Um, mm. And she, <laughs> and obviously the first line is like, uh, Palpatine speaks. The, the dead like, speak. <laughs> the dead speak, yeah. And I just went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine it in your mum's sort of deadpan. Well, I don't know. Was she hamming it up at all, or was she, it just she hams it up a little bit? Yeah. Oh, fair, fair, fair. It's but I mean, like... to be honest, the episode nine crawl is so cheesy and stupid that I could kind of imagine it being read out in the Clone Wars uh, 
serial guy announcer yeah. voice. But yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that film, man. Um, it's it's. So if you're gonna bring Palpatine back, I'm I'm pretty against that as an idea. But I feel like there there's probably a way of doing it that's kind of cool, and they just didn't do it in a cool way at all. It was a really lazy, poorly explained way of doing it. And yeah. frankly, I, uh, yeah. yeah, no, go ahead. I, I actually consider the sequel trilogy to be the worst trilogy out of the three, um, which is is harsh on. Um, What's the middle film called again? The, the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. I think it's harsh on The Last Jedi, but the problem is The Last Jedi, even though I, we both believe it's quite a good film, uh, doesn't fit with the other two films. And I don't think they work together as a three at all. Uh, and I don't think they work together in Star Wars at all. Uh, I think the prequels are bad films, but I think they work together as a three. Um, and they work in Star Wars as a whole as well so i think uh yeah because of that the sequel trilogy is the worst of the three yeah and and i might be a little ignorant to some of the kind of expanded universe stuff beyond the film but it does also feel to me like there is less scope for interesting stories to be told uh around the same era as the sequel trilogy whereas you look at the original trilogy that has obviously spawned the most uh, non-film or sort of outside the main saga storytelling, even since Disney took over, like both spin-off films were in that era. The Mandalorian is just after that era. Uh, Rebels, the cartoon that I think is now finished, but that's that era as well. And, and yeah. The Clone Wars is obviously really successful and popular, and that's prequel era. And the prequels, like... They made the galaxy feel bigger. They expanded the scope of the of the canvas that the storytelling could take place on, and the sequel trilogy just like massively narrowed it again. And yeah. I think the Last Jedi. I know people don't like the Casino Planet, but that to me at least felt a bit like something George Lucas might have come up with. And like that that doesn't always that sounds like a backhanded compliment and clearly not everything George Lucas comes up with is good but I, it kind of people say the last Jedi doesn't feel like Star Wars and I kind of disagree in a way like I think it's kind of the right kind of weird and I'm not sure Rise of Rise of Skywalker feels like someone like a fan made it it's trying really hard to be like yeah. hey this is Star Wars look at all these Star Wars things but it's like it doesn't feel like Star Wars it feels like someone who doesn't understand Star Wars pretending yeah. to make a Star Wars film I think The Last Jedi doesn't really feel like Star Wars in the context of being the middle of the three films mm. um, but I think actually there's a lot of themes in there that you could go actually no this feels like the most Star Wars out of the three um, like kind of the ending of it where you feel like the kids have like potential to go on to be jedi uh, or force uh, you know kind of uh, beings that sort of thing you know there's that hope there that you always kind of feel is still exists in the world um mm. without just being a rehash of something that's already come before it yeah i, I honestly feel like I, 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 the, every time I watch the last Jedi, less Je last Jedi, I enjoy it more. But from the very beginning, I just have always felt like the last sort of forty minutes is just absolutely banging. Like it's so good, I could watch that sort of last forty minute sequence any day. Yeah, basically. I, I think there's a lot of stupid stuff in that film still, um, like the yeah. uh, f floating um, Mary Poppins. Yeah, Mary Poppins. Yeah. 
Uh, it gets me every time. Yeah, that is dumb. Uh, that is very, that is very dumb. Um, and some of the humour, I think, is a bit like bad. Yeah, in not even like an eye rolly way. It's just awkwardly bad. But yeah. yeah, that that whole last sort of sequence from basically from when Ray and Kylo turn on Snoke to well, the end basically is just kind of epic. All the Luke stuff is great. Yeah. Anyway, I wish Snoke was a bigger <laughs> bad guy as well. Donald, you fool! I made Snoke. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, speaking theme of parks. Star Wars, yeah, theme parks and think. Speaking of theme parks and Star Wars, uh, my dad, yeah, in a true sign of uh, lockdown boredom, uh, which I think this is, I think this is the seventh episode in lockdown. Uh, he has uh, pulled out from the loft a load of old home videos from the theme parks. Oh. And uh, yeah, bought an ad- bought like an adapter so that he can hook up his o- his old Sony camcorder to the to one of the TVs downstairs. Wow. And uh, we watched some of- we we're watching some of it yesterday, and it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, my sister and I are very very excited. Uh, there's a bit where we're walking through Hollywood Studios, and you can see Star Tours looming in the distance. Well, I was try- we were trying to place it year wise, and it was, I reckon it was probably ninety nine or two thousand. I reckon I'm about six or seven, and my sister's about four. Right. Um, yeah. And there's a, we're, we're walking towards Star Tours, and you can just hear me go, "Look, it's Star Wars!" Just like, like it's <laughs> impossible to describe how excited I, I, I found. And then maybe my favourite part was uh, my dad is doing that classic dad thing with the camcorder where he's looking at me and my sister and sort of provoking us to say cute things for camera. And he's like, Tom, are you going to come on Rock and Roller Coaster? And I'm like, I don't know. I think it'll be a, it'll be a bit loud. And I was just coming up with the worst <laughs> excuses not to go on the scary roller coaster. <laughs> And um and then but dad's like, uh, Becky, do you think Tom should come on? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go on it. I'm gonna go on it. And then uh, Tom, are you gonna come on it? Even Becky's gonna go on it. And I, I go, I'm only gonna go on it, but only if next time we go on Spider Man, Becky doesn't cover her eyes the whole time. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'd have. Would Would you have been tall enough to go on Rock and Roller Coaster? Uh, that is a good question. I did wonder that because I was looking at myself throughout and thinking, bloody hell, I really do look like one of those little football men you used to get in the chocolate eggs. <laughs> this tiny, tiny little body and then this big head with a cap on and a pair of silly sunglasses that didn't help. I really, it does look very funny. And um, yeah, I did sort of, was looking at myself thinking, am I even tall enough to go on these kinds of rides? But I guess I must have been. I think Rock and Roller Coaster isn't actually that big of a, height restriction I, i'd have to look it up to be sure but i don't feel like it's actually uh, that bad yeah the, the seat is quite tight so I, I don't know whether it is or not yeah but um <laughs> yeah that that's the point we're at there was also uh do you remember the do you remember the hunchback of notre dame show at mgm uh we yeah it, we had some video of that it was quite good actually i i'd forgotten about it and then it all came flooding back uh, the guy who plays the jester, who kind of narrates the story coming out at the start. Um, I can't say uh, we watched that one particularly. Yeah. We used to watch Beauty and the Beast was a must because that's my mum's favourite. Oh yeah, um, but we 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 didn't do a lot of the shows a lot of the time. Uh, Indiana Jones was a must, of course, uh, but we we focused primarily on the rides. Yeah, 
rather than it, the shows. It kind of made me want to go back and watch Hunchback because the music is top draw. You know, it's very dramatic. You could you could put some of that Hunchback music over like any dramatic scene in any film, and it would probably work. All that stuff. There's, some... there's a there's a couple of questions on the chase this week about Rapunzel, and I was like, oh, I should go back and watch Tangled. Tangled. It's Tangled. Look, I I had seen Tangled in sort of bits and pieces, but I watched it for the first time properly a few weeks ago. It looks tremendous. It's in you know 4k dolby vision or whatever all the top visual audio settings on disney plus and it looks fantastic i think it actually looks better than frozen it has more of a distinct look to it you you look at a picture and you think oh it's a very similar visual style to frozen and it is to an extent but it does have a slightly more stylized fan sort of fairy book uh storybook kind of look to it i think yeah, I think Frozen's trying to go a bit too photo... Like, it's not, but photorealism with it, in a way, in a sense. Some of the environments, not, yeah, maybe. Um, whereas I think Tangled is still very much trying to elicit that sort of hand-drawn sort of... You know, the ideas that come around with the hand-drawn stuff, even though it's all fully animated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway... Uh, theme parks and we've done it again we've spent 20 minutes not talking about theme parks much (laughs) we brought Uh, up theme parks and then we went away from theme parks i know i know it's classic park crush behavior but there was actually some quite big news this week on the theme park front that we'll just we won't go into like go on about it too much because we basically did, did it last week where we were talking about how theme parks might emerge from coronavirus and some of the measures that might have to be put in place whether people will even want to turn up and, and I'm very excited to say, Josh, that this week there was a meeting of the Orange County Economic Recovery Task Force, uh, which sounds like something a local paper yeah, would, would sort of lap up. I'm disappointed they haven't come up with a very decent, like, you know, snazzy name for that, like Shield or Cobra. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be O-C-E-R-T, uh, O-C-E-R-T, I guess. Which isn't great. They would want to come no. up with something better, I think. Yeah. But they could have come up. They could have come up with something that sort of formed orange. That would. That's what I would have done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically, they were sort of talking about how businesses across Central Florida could return to action in some form, and uh, theme parks came into it, and Walt Disney World and Universal specifically fell into their large theme park category. There was a small theme park category, of course. Uh, But some of the stuff they map out are similar to some of the things we talked about last week, such as uh, tape marking uh, to keep people six feet apart in queues, uh, staff wiping down surfaces like handrails very regularly, people over 65 being encouraged not to show up, masks being mandatory, temperature checks being mandatory for cast members and visitors, loads of hand sanitizer stations, Um, lots of stuff that you would expect. I I, I don't know what you think about this one, though, because these numbers seemed high to me, uh, how in sort of a phase one of reopening, capacity would be limited to 50%, and then in a phase two, move up to 75%. And uh, yeah, both of those I, seem high. Yeah, they they both seem high, and I also think that, um, from what I've read, that basically the parks will be basically be able to do whatever they want in a sense. Like they're not because they've they've got that much power that the Universal and 
Disney will be able to basically do whatever they want. Um, but it sounds like they're both going to do a higher level than this even suggests, from what I've heard. Um, so I think the number will be lower than 50%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would think so, because, I mean, I'd imagine Magic Kingdom especially, if we take that as an example, there have been many days where I've been there, and same for you, I'm sure, where you have felt probably like, Jesus Christ, this place is absolutely rammed. Yeah. Uh, but, um, has, but in reality, was probably not actually close to capacity on that particular day. I think in more recent times, I think Magic Kingdom is close to capacity quite a lot, or quite... I don't know, maybe 80-90% filled quite a lot of the time. Mm. Um, so I think 50% will make quite a stark difference. Uh, but that's in terms of just walking around the park. I think the rides will be where, obviously, where the queues are still will be fairly busy. Uh, so you have to factor a lot of that in. Um, I think you really have to do quite a complicated maths equation on space available in the park um, to work out your new numbers. Yeah, I I just did a quick Google for capacity of Magic Kingdom, and it it seems like it's estimated to be about a hundred thousand, which is loads. And so, yeah, I mean, fifty thousand people being crammed into well, not not quite so crammed, but descending on one place that still feels like a lot of people when you think about, as you say as well, you know, the way people tend to um, fan out at theme parks and huddle up in queues and things. People, yeah, but but like. So, um, Formula One, Silverstone gets over 100,000 people every year. Um, but that's basically on an airfield, which is like bigger than Magic Kingdom. Uh, so, it's to, to fit the same, like basically the same amount of people in is kind of mad. Yeah, it's insane. And, and I mean, part of me thinks people might not actually be that keen to turn up to a theme park where they think there might be 50,000 people there. At a time like this, they think, "No, I'm all right, thanks. I'm I'm perfectly happy to be at home." But I don't know. The, I, I know this is by no means everyone, but the uh, and the, the news does skew towards the more sensational stuff. Obviously, I mean, it's not as interesting to uh, show reports of people sticking to the rules, and it's more interesting to show reports of people very much people very much not doing that. But some of the pictures you see from the states of people just. Uh, you know heading out some more aggressively than others uh some you know essentially protesting violently others just turning up to the beach thinking what's wrong with this yeah Uh, stop infringing on my rights uh so maybe i'm mistaken and these parks will be more busy than i would think and there'll be loads of people desperate to go i feel like in the uk there's less appetite for sort of lockdown to be lifted and things like that. But in the States, it feels like a lot of people just aren't happy uh, with it yeah, at all. I, I think you'd be surprised, Tom. Um, even in the UK, obviously, we live in a, we live in our bubbles, I think. Um, and I think even, you know, you look at the clapping on a Thursday and you have the every bridge in London is lined with people. It's like, what are you doing? Um, you, yeah, that's true. Uh, but and obviously, Def uh, came to um, Florida beaches uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not not literally, at least not that I'm aware of. But yes, uh, was, it a, was it a lawyer dressed up as Death who yes. appeared on some sort of local TV station? The reporter was just going on about how oh, I have a guest here who's very unhappy that people have turned up to the beach today, and and it was a lawyer. 
And as you say, he was dressed up like death. And it was really bizarre. It was, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, if the park's open too soon, maybe he'll be outside. <laughs> well, people will just Magic turn up Kingdom. and ask for his autograph because they'll think he's <laughs> off the haunted mansion or something. Three hour queue. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if, if you want to look up some of the sort, we won't go through. I mean, as I say, a lot of the other measures are pretty self explanatory. Uh, and we talked about a lot of them last week, you know, making all payments contactless, that kind of thing. Uh, I guess the only point I would raise about the people being encouraged to stay home if they're over 65. Uh, a lot of theme parks, it's you know very obvious every time you go, employ a lot of older people who sort of and who I think love the the job, um, uh, you know, manning the turnstiles or you know serving you in the in the food places or whatever they might be doing. You see a pl- plenty of older folk who work at the parks, and I, I just feel like if if people over sixty five are only being encouraged to stay home, but technically aren't sort of being told, yeah, you have to stay at home. Do you think the theme park companies would exploit that and say, well, if you're staying home because you're encouraged to stay home, you don't technically have to. Um, that would make them ineligible for, you know, potential furlough. I know furlough is different over there, but, uh, you know, some form of compensation. Do you think that would be a potential uh, yeah, it's, issue? It's hard to say, Um but it's generally the the older uh, generations that work at Disney are in uh, kind of more the front facing um, social roles, I guess you could say. Hmm. Um, so and therefore they generally have um, like full time employment there. So that might stand them in a better stead than uh, the the young people who generally are on temporary contracts, uh, most of which have been laid off, as far as we're aware. Um, yeah, so, or so, or furloughed. Yes, absolutely. So, um, hopefully, they they won't be in a bad spot. Um, and I, you would very much hope that Disney would do right by them because they're the people that truly keep the park running and keep the. That's what the sort of people that people go back to Disney for um, is those guys who are knowledgeable and entertaining and interesting um, and know a lot about the parks. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Well, uh, I guess let's move on to what I, I had envisaged would be the main bulk of the show, but we've taken so long to get here. Who knows? Uh, but uh, Orange County, those guys again uh, had um, basically been put up a load of uh, permit images as they would do. We talked about this before. You know, when you file for permits for construction and things like that in Florida, uh, they go through kind of the local centralized government, uh, in this case at Orange County. And all these kind of filings are publicly accessible and publicly viewable, much as they are here when, you know, making planning applications for for anything, whether it be the London Resort or or a a housing estate. Uh, It all sort of goes through a very similar process. And uh, someone who's often on top of the uh, Orange County side of things is uh, Alicia Stella of uh, Orlando Park Stop, who, of course, was on uh, our podcast. Uh, I was about to say a few short weeks ago, but it really was. <laughs> it was may- way longer than that at this point. I think it was a couple of months ago. Um, time is broken. 
and yeah, she was able to um, uh, dig out the filings for Epic Universe, Universal's upcoming uh, third or fourth gate for Orlando. Uh, the the filings that she found, she put up on her website. That she has since taken them down at a request uh, as of a request from Orange County. I'm not quite sure why or how they're allowed to do that if they're all sort of publicly viewable anyway. But um, uh, I believe one image in particular is not allowed, um, or like two of them in particular, um, due to the I don't know. I don't know exactly, but yeah i mean it was it was essentially confirming to an extent or she kind of mapped onto them a lot of what she has been hearing about what's in line to be built at this park and then able to kind of get a better idea of exactly how each land at the park is going to be arranged and spaced out and based on how much space has been dedicated to individual buildings and whatnot she was able to then kind of tally that up with what she's heard about certain attractions and then say with more confidence that hey look this big show building in this land seems to tally with what i've heard about x and y so she's uh, as ever done a, a very extensive uh, article on orlandoparkstop.com uh, and yeah we've we've been through it and I guess just thought we could talk about what seems to be in store for each land. We've gone through a few of them before individually, but this is the first time they've kind of all been assembled in one place. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess we could start, Josh, with uh, Super Nintendo World. Super Nintendo. Have you got the the article up in front of you? Do you want to take us through the... uh, Take us through it? Uh, yeah, so uh, as if you've seen the um, kind of overview plan uh, previously, uh, bottom left-hand corner of the park, um, or which would be kind of, I guess it's still bottom left in the picture, uh, is where Nintendo Land's going to be, uh, going to be predominantly Mario-themed. Uh, going to have three areas, three pr- main areas of this section. Uh, Mario Kart section, Super Mario Land and Yoshi Ride section, uh, and then a Donkey Kong section. Um, so I guess you know they're all very uh, you know all Mario areas but still kind of separate sort of theming I guess Um, but it could be quite cool Um, Mario Kart will have the Mario Kart Dark Ride uh, that is coming to Japan as well right yeah yeah that that's the only ride coming to all three parks yes as far as all three being um, uh Florida, Hollywood, Japan. Oh, and Singapore as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's all of them. I don't know if it's going in the Beijing Park that Universal are building. Uh, I'm not sure on that. Hmm. Okay. Um, no, me neither. Um, in the Super Mario Land and Yoshi ride area, there'll be um, the Yoshi Omni Mover ride, um, which we've seen in like pictures previously um, yeah kind of like a i don't know what you <laughs> it's like an omni move right you you sit on yoshi's back and you go outside a bit and there'll be some inside sections as well um and there's also going to be a donkey kong coaster do you think that's uh, what it's going to be do you think it's do you think that the idea is that you're riding yoshi or that you are a yoshi is it going to be like a ratatouille <laughs> situation where you are a rat <sighs> Or is it going to be? Yeah. Um, 
because it's it, like from the from the artwork, it seems like you're sitting on his back. So, um, and of course, Mario does ride Yoshi. Yes, that's true. But this so this I, raises I, yeah. so many questions, Josh, because long has there been a debate about whether Mario is even a human. So, you know, if we're riding Yoshi in exactly the same way that Mario would, that might imply that Mario and I, and, and, and you and I are all one of the same. But in Super, Mario, question, Tom. In, in Super Mario Odyssey, Josh, Mario goes to a, a new Donk City, where as far as we can see, there are normal people walking around, and Mario does not jive with them, really. He is seemingly of a different uh, species, almost, so it's yeah. it's all very confused, and I think, frankly, Nintendo are going to have to come up with some sort of explanation for this because aren't the people of New Donk City humans? Well, that's a good question. Maybe Mario is a human like like us, and the New Donkers are <laughs> are not. Maybe the New Donks yeah. are a different, yeah, different species. Um, maybe maybe New Donks are people, and Mario is not. But then we can still <sighs> both interact as yo like. With a Yoshi in the same way, maybe, yeah. It's a it's a difficult one. It's hard to Something, say. Yeah, because then you look at Mario Kart, Josh, and all Mario and Yoshi look like they would be the same size. It's the true. idea of Mario there then riding a Yoshi, you'd think that would really do Yoshi's backing. Uh, he's a, he's a strong little chap. Surprisingly, he's like a Sherpa um, from the pool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's also going to be a Donkey Kong coaster, um, which is going to be kind of a minecart-based attraction, by the sounds of things. Yes, heavily inspired by my one in my London Resort Roller Coaster Tycoon Three project. Yes, absolutely. Um, they, it wasn't going to be there, and then they saw that uh, on YouTube <laughs> uh, streaming live, and, and they were like, "Oh my god!" Inspired. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't, can't blame them really. <laughs> Um, no, there's also going to be a Toad's Cafe. Oh, nice! Um, get get high with Toad. Yeah, it's a mushroom Which, bar. Uh, you know, if you change the S to a Y, it's an anagram of today. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, so you know, maybe it just serve the same food. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, I was quite looking forward to going to the t- the Today Cafe. Um, I would still be there if if the coronavirus hadn't come. I, I would still be in Florida. I'd still have a week to run on that on, on my trip. So, yeah, I certainly would have been in the Today Cafe by now. I would have thought. It's a shame. What a shame. You can watch yourself be have uh, fun on uh, home video instead. Yes, we'll dig out some more home videos. I might try and see if I can somehow get them onto the onto the computer here and, and maybe play play some clips on the show at some point. That might be funny. I'll That'd see if I can fun. I'll see if I can work out how to do that. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, anyway, yeah, next you've got Josh, um How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Um we've got sort of like bigger or a better view of this stuff, right? Yeah, we, we yeah. We dedicated a whole episode to How to Train Your Dragon not that long ago. Uh, it seems like it's going to be in sort of the opposite corner to Mario, so in sort of the bottom right of the park rather than the bottom left. Yeah. Uh, and we'll mostly have outdoor attractions, uh, a roller coaster probably being the the linchpin of this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, you can't really have How to Train Your Dragon area without a dragon-based ride, right? I, w- I would have thought not. <laughs> 
um so yeah obviously we get that uh that attraction um you get um like a sky fly ride which is a gerselauer attraction which is like a smaller ride um a stationary sort of um swing sort of ride i believe um and you also get the uh there's a boat ride there as well which there's one at legoland um and i think there's one at Alton towers in the uk i think the one at legoland is at both the uk legoland and also the orlando legoland uh yeah so that's like there's boats going around and you shoot each other with water which doesn't sound so fun in windsor but sounds like it could be <laughs> good laugh in orlando yeah yeah uh, you know uh, the weather a, is dark more... stormy night in on stoke yeah exactly um but a, a stage show as well which uh could be cool we we talked about how there is some sort of how to train your dragon live show that already exists in america a kind of touring stage yep. show and some of the dragon sort of animatronics and puppets that get used in that are really cool really impressive i recommend having a look if you've if you're not familiar with them and the idea that yes that could come to the park in some form similar to how they adapt the broadway lion king show at animal kingdom that could be cool i think that would make sense yeah and it looks like they're going to have a um great hall restaurant which is kind of themed after the great hall in uh in the films yeah yeah all of these lands will have uh extensive dining options i'm sure so yeah one fact to train your dragon yeah. certainly makes sense uh, from the artwork, the House Train Your Dragon area certainly looks like the best themed area, I would say. Yeah, it looks the most sort of dynamic and kinetic, yeah. I guess. If you've got, it seems like it's got a couple of outdoor attractions. So, yeah, the, the, the land should have a bit more energy, I would, I would suggest. Which is really cool because that's the sort of vibe you get from, uh, especially House Train Dragon 2 and 3 with all the dragons flying around and stuff. Yeah, get definitely. That, get that energy, which is cool. Um, we then come to the classic monsters, which we've spoken about at length before, so uh, we won't go into it too much here. Uh, but this will be in the top left corner of the park. Uh, yep. Rumoured to be based on Frankenstein's village primarily, uh, with uh, befitting locales such as Frankenstein's Manor and uh, the windmill. But... Um, the, there will be two attractions, and one of them will be a little more like a greatest hits of classic monsters that's not just Frankenstein. And I think this is the one that is rumoured to have a cougar arm like uh, Harry Potter and the... Um, you mustn't Forbidden go in journey. there. Forbidden Journey. <laughs> we, we mustn't go in there. <laughs> if, if everything is named like how they name Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Harry Potter and the You Really Should Rethink This Jaunt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really like that. Uh, I love the cougar arm. Uh, I've done that ride so many times and it, it, it every time I feel like you're sort of, well, at least me personally, I'm always still slightly caught off guard, especially during the Whomping Willow section by how much it throws you backwards. Yeah, that, that is pretty violent. <clears throat> that section. And, uh, and that ride, you know, is almost a decade old now, so it will be more than a decade old by the time this opens. So the idea of kind of a next generation Cougar Arm is, uh, is really exciting. 
So I, yeah, I, I'm up um, for that. The the biggest thing for me on that Harry Potter is that I, I still think the transitions are pretty poor. Um, so hopefully they can improve quite, that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, I think some of the transitions are better than others on that yeah. ride. I think that I think it's like the last one that's maybe the most clumsy, where you sort of fly. It's it's mostly when you're going from screen to uh, set. Yes. Uh, uh, but a lot of them, I think, you know, I think the strongest portion of that ride is when kind of from the dragon scene and then onwards until you then get to the the end bit where you're flying back towards the castle. I feel like all that that, that section, which is mostly set based, you think of the the forest with the spiders, the bridge with the dragon, the chamber of secrets with the dementors. That all kind of yeah. runs together. That's a really strong sequence. And then yeah, the transition into that and then out of that is maybe a little less convincing but yeah uh ride tech has come a long way since then so i'm sure, sure they could improve upon it quite significantly for this uh and then you probably looks like you're gonna have a show of some sort as the second attraction for classic monsters which yeah, yeah they, i mean there's some there's been some great monster shows at the universal florida resort over the years i mean obviously the monster makeup show is still there which i really like uh and they have previously had the beetlejuice graveyard review yeah uh, which was brutally removed for fast and the furious <laughs> <laughs> truly disgraceful scenes yeah because that ride is so good it's <laughs> yes it is a classic would you go for a whole Fast and the Furious land? <laughs> um, is it like the ride? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you would hope not. You would hope not. Then, then yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you could have like, uh, a test track equivalent. They didn't even remove Beetlejuice for Fast and Furious. They removed it for the queue area. Yeah. Well, I mean, they obviously anticipated that ride being very, very popular and... Yeah. I guess it must have been originally, but I think word of mouth isn't very positive, so it's probably not as popular anymore. Like it's one of the few yeah. rides that has a virtual queue, but I don't feel like it's particularly necessary. Yeah. Probably the best part of that ride is the queue, though. Like certainly if you're a car guy, that's true. Like myself, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the interesting part of the um, Universal Classic Monsters uh, uh, info that Alicia Stella has and that is also seems to have been backed up by the filings uh, is that there is room for a future expansion which has previously been rumoured to be a boat ride uh, based on Creature from the Black Lagoon uh, but obviously that's you know potentially far-flung future type stuff so I, yeah I have a question are they going to call Ooh. this area Universal Classic Monsters or are they just going to call it Classic Monsters or Monsters like because and this is that problem, that same problem again. Universal's classic monsters at Universal's Epic Universe at Universal Studios Orlando. <laughs> um, I think they'd probably go with Universal's classic monsters just for the branding. Right. Okay. I, I do get you, what I do get what you mean. It's quite clumsy. You have Universe in there four times if you say the full <laughs> name yeah. of this place. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Universal Monsters, I did watch The Mummy the other day for the first time in some while, and man, the that new still one holds or the original? The, the uh, original, okay. Yeah. Well, so, well, I mean, not the original, not, original. Not the, sorry, the, yeah, Brendan, the, uh, the Brendan Fraser yeah. one. 
Not the Tom yes. Cruise one, which I have never. No. The, the only Tom Cruise mummy stuff I've seen was the uh, the trailer without the music. <laughs> oh, have you have you not seen that new one? No, I've not seen it. Oh, I, I saw it. Yeah, I mean, I've no interest in seeing it really. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's yeah. you know, at best it's morbid curiosity, but I'm not sure I even have that much interest in it to be honest. The uh, they could have like because Russell Crowe plays Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, he was going to be like the the Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury of this universe, right? Like recruiting yeah. people. But they do they do a terrible job of setting up. I mean, they could have been a little more subtle about it, I think. Right. But they really it's really ham fisted. If it, it feels more like um was it the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Oh yeah. Um. I I don't I don't remember hating that film because I saw it when I was a kid and just thought it was kind of cool. But maybe if yeah. I watched it now I'd find it like totally stupid and awful. But I kind of I enjoy it, but it's really ham fisted and kind of bad. There's a funny story behind that. I can't remember what film he rejected, but basically Sean Connery was offered a role in what would go on to become like a really big blockbuster hit. I think it was a comic book film of some sort, and he turned it down. And then then seeing how well that film did, regretted it, and then therefore took the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen part that was offered to him. And obviously that film uh, was not well received. And I think no. it was among the the last films he ever did before he retired. Yeah, maybe the last remember. film. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think there's some really cool elements in that film, but it's kind of bad. Yeah, uh, the Mummy, however, the Brendan Fraser Mummy is still great. Uh, I did that. Uh, I watched that. Sorry, whilst building my uh, Lego Boba Fett helmet. So that was a very good afternoon did. the other day when it was raining. Uh, I think going forward, the the best uh, or the most interesting formula for the for the Universal monster movies is probably to go the kind of the the route they went with the Invisible Man and the kind of you know relatively low budget but very focused uh, sort of modern take on on these monsters, you know, rather than trying to make it this big, grand cinematic universe. Yeah, I think uh, that's what you have to do with those films, is they're, they're low budget, but because they're low budget, they make good profit. Yeah, and, and you're kind of almost forced into making perhaps more creative decisions in some ways when you have limits placed on you. I mean, some, you know, it depends who you get to ultimately direct and write and whatever. Like some people will find a low budget really restrictive and won't respond well to that. Others will be able to uh, kind of hone their creativity in a way they might not have been able to do before. I think the Invisible James Man Cameron is... James Cameron should do it. <laughs> <laughs> he he <laughs> loves like, small budget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I finished the Imagineering story, which we can talk about another time. And, and his him talking about the avatar stuff in that it was like on the one hand i was really impressed with how engaged he seemed and on the other hand i would i was kind of like man i think i'd almost i think i'd hate having him in my ear all the time i'm just trying to yeah. do my job like oh, i'll make this more like that because this totally wouldn't be like that in the movie and it's like just go away mate you've made pocahontas it, with smurfs it sounds mental as well like he's done all this work to like he created a language and all of this stuff about how they interact and uh, like he created music for all the characters and stuff, or like that's meant to be like kind of native music for the the blue people, um, the Navi. Um, but then like basically scratched it because it was like ah that doesn't doesn't fit the narrative. So we're just going to do something a bit more modern and upbeat. It's like oh, why would you go to all that effort and then ruin it by putting something like modern 
like f- film music over the top kind of thing. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, and I'm sure you know I may well end up being proven wrong by this, but I, I do also feel like the idea of an Avatar two is just kind of strange right now. Uh, I mean, how about an Avatar six? Well, yes, it, it feels to me like you needed to strike the iron while it was hot, so to speak. And Avatar was hot, you know, ten years ago. Uh, and has yeah. since kind of been forgotten, and there's sort of no. Uh, who has reverence for Avatar? Anyone? Like uh, any cultural uh, reverence? And they took forever to put out a new Avatar film, or to put out the uh, Avatar Land. Surely that was like perfect time to make a new film. Well, I mean, I just the, the very idea of uh, a massive, big budget Hollywood blockbuster that people will be hoping makes billions of dollars coming out in 2022 or 2023 and being led by Sam Worthington is just absolutely bizarre. Like <laughs> He's a terrible actor who somehow got a few big jobs a decade ago and has since, as far as I'm aware, done next to nothing. Uh, I, I can idea- remember him in that and uh, <laughs> Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans, yeah, with L- Liam Neeson as Zeus, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about this anymore. Uh Let's talk about better films like Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, The Fourth Land, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, and rumoured to be based on 1920s Paris, as seen yeah. in The Crimes of Grindelwald. On the one yeah. hand, on, I'm, I'm kind of up for this because obviously the, the, first, the, the two lands we've got right now are, you know, based on Harry Potter within the UK, the original Harry Potter settings. And so, you know, even if they did the Ministry of Magic, that's that's, well, that's in London, thing, isn't it? And they've already the thing, done right? London. So, um, Alicia Stella of Parkstop, obviously, uh, put out this morning for us at 12.44am a tweet uh, with a, a poll on it. And the poll was, uh, British Ministry of Magic replacing Fantastic Beasts at Epic Universe, yay or nay? Um, so apparently that is a uh, thing that's being considered is changing it from this 1920s Paris to being uh, the British Ministry of Magic. What, what's the result of the poll? Uh, 76.6% have said yay. Right. What, what, what would you say? I said yay. Oh, you have voted. Oh, interesting. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know, right? Because... It, <laughs> I, I get it because the crimes of Windowwald, crimes of Windowwald, crimes of Grindelwald, is really bad, and it's it, it's dumb. But ultimately, you can make good theme park stuff out of bad movies, and you can make bad theme park stuff out of good movies. So I don't necessarily hold it, hold that against it. You know, potentially there's still something to be done that could be really yeah. impressive with the Paris setting, and it's not something that you've really seen before. At a I think there's theme so park much like stuff. This. It- in those films that could be awesome mm. but the films are terrible yeah yeah it's it's not it's it's not dissimilar from the star wars prequel problem which is that it's kind of expanded the universe in some quite interesting ways but then the storytelling you know the core narrative is just stupid and and really poorly done uh, I, I yeah. actually think worse in the case of Grindelwald than in the Star Wars prequels. I just think there yeah, are some unbelievably uh, just mind-numbingly bad uh, story decisions yeah. that got made while that film was being made, which uh, eclipses anything you see in the prequels. 
But other than that, you know, as I say, it expands the universe in some cool ways. I still liked, like, I, I quite liked Newt Scamander as a character in the first Fantastic Beasts film, and then they kind of yeah. tried to make him this kind of central. In the second, in the second, the second film was weird because it's it's called Fantastic Beasts, and Newt Scamander is like the main character, but he doesn't feel important to the plot at all. Uh, it's just no, sort he just of, seems to be tagging along. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, um, that's not a good yeah. film, uh, and. I think making Johnny Depp the bad guy was the wrong decision. Yeah, I liked Colin Farrell. There's nothing yeah. wrong with Colin Farrell. No. Um, but, you know, I mean, that that's kind of like when Pikachu evolves into Raichu, isn't it? And you're like, oh, it's fine. Why can't he just stay as Pikachu? Yeah. And that's how I felt about Grindelwald. <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean, Universal always brings their A or has brought their A game for the Harry Potter stuff, and so I can't help but be excited uh, about what they end up doing yeah. here. Uh, J.K. And the... Rowling will have her say, right? So, yeah, and and I guess the thing with the Ministry of Magic, uh, uh, you know, I think in both films, or but sorry, both settings, UK and France, they both have demonstrated that they are home to some wacky transportation methods. So you could always build a ride that. Uh, I know it's built around flu. Is it flu powder? Flu powder, yeah. Flu, yeah, flu, yeah, fireplaces. Flu, yeah, yeah. Maybe you could do something with that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Britain, you had telephone boxes and you had the toilets. Yes. Yes. Um, which was really bizarre, but. Yeah, I mean, if if it is to be Paris, um, this article says it would contain city streets with shops, at least one quick service location, and the streets would lead to three different attractions, uh, which would all seemingly be sort of... A lot of this land is going to be undercover, I think, in a similar way to the Nocturne Alley section of Diagon Alley, so it's a bit more right. weather-resistant. I guess it would uh, be more sort of open, more like the uh, main street in um, Japan, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess. Disney. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Uh, but there'll be three attractions. Uh, you'll have an interactive dark ride featuring magical creatures or, you know, fantastic beasts. Um, and then something uh, featuring some form of tower s- uh, ride system is is mentioned here. Uh, and, and then okay. also a theatre attraction, which, you know, could be interesting. There's not a lot of, well, there aren't any theatre shows in either of the Harry Potter lands so far. There are some sort of live entertainment but it's kind of a bit more spontaneous well spontaneous isn't the right word uh, but you have like the frog choir don't you and you have some like classical singer is it in Diagon yeah, Alley there's a, there's a singer yeah one it's meant to be a famous uh wizarding singer mm. um yeah it's interesting because obviously this is then basically I guess the French Diagon Alley yeah um, in a way, uh, or nocturnally as well. Um, whereas the impression you got previously was that it was going to be more of a, like the whole thing was going to be a set in the Ministry of Magic or the French Ministry of Magic. Mm. Um, but it's quite cool. It's got this sort of, if you know, if you, if you keep this Paris thing, which I actually really quite like, actually, um, it's outdoor kind of wizarding Parisian marketplace would be quite cool. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, and then, of course, you have the central hub, which I guess you could uh, view as some sort of main street, city walk even type of environment, mostly going to have... 
City Walk 2.0, mostly restaurants and shops and things like that, but also a roller coaster by the looks of things, a dueling roller coaster. We don't know how it will be themed uh, necessarily. Uh, themed uh, is the rumor. Ah, um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you'd imagine that'll also be where you you might have some live entertainment and other such things. Yeah, there's going uh, to be another potential attraction in there as well, um, but that is unknown at this point. Right. It's going to be interesting. I wonder how people will feel about the idea of, you know, um, having to go back there uh, to go in between lands. You haven't really seen that kind of theme park design on this scale. No. You know, the, the uh, idea of, yeah. of not being able to traverse between lands is 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 interesting. I think for for the sake of immersion, it will it will you know it will help with that, I suppose. But you know, will it also be seen by some as something of a nuisance you know a bit of a inconvenience entrance and exit ways will be interesting to see as well how they work yeah 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 and you know whether that rumor of a sort of uh ticketing system that would allow you to go to individual lands whether that comes to fruition or not it's impossible to say at this point uh yeah definitely because uh, an- another line that came out of a Comcast, I think, earnings call of some description this week is that construction on the park has been delayed because of the coronavirus. Oh, no. So the uh, opening uh, year of 2023, presumably in some doubt now, that could well be more of a 2024 uh, situation. I mean, we spoke a few weeks ago about all the various construction projects at Disney that could be impacted by the coronavirus uh, whether some stuff gets pushed, whether other stuff gets scrapped, it'll be interesting to see how it impacts Universal. Um, you know, plenty of stuff I'm sure is far enough down the track that it will just get done, like that Jurassic Park roller coaster. But whether or not it will meet its opening date, whenever that was, I mean, they haven't actually put a year even on that. They haven't even announced that, have they, properly? So, uh, no, not particularly. Yeah, if it wasn't for the leaks, no one would necessarily be asking questions about that one anyway. But yeah, it will be interesting to see the theme park industry, how it copes with the coronavirus over the coming months and, well, frankly, years. It will have a long-term impact on them. But Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that will do it for for us here i mean there there is also going to be an on-site hotel at epic universe as we already knew and uh, that will sort of be at the back of the central hub but um yeah we've been going a fair way here so i think we're going to call it josh makes sense uh if you want to keep up with the show during the week uh you can follow us on the twitters and on the instagrams at parkrush podcast you can email us podcast at parkrush.com we're not getting much emails right now right correct uh which you know it's, it's it's fine by me, frankly. Um, <laughs> these these shows have already sort of been longer than I anticipated. We, I guess that's the problem when you talk for twenty five minutes about what you've been watching on Netflix or whatever. Alas, yes. uh, my bad. Uh, what else can you do? What else can you do? You can uh, you can subscribe subscribe to the show on your on your preferred podcasting app. Uh, you can find every episode at parkrush.com as well. Uh, what else can you do? Uh, you can stay indoors. <laughs> Uh, do do, do you, that. You should stay indoors. That's my my hot tip for the week. Stay indoors. Stop going to the goddamn beaches. It's my message of the day of the week. Uh, have you got any messages, Josh? Um, don't do drugs. 
Fair, fair. That's good. That's good, solid advice. Uh, and yeah. with that, we will take leave, and we'll be back next week. Take it easy, everyone. See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.